Everybody, welcome to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast, where we talk about show business, old friends, and new adventures. I'm here with my childhood friend, my lifelong friend, Vinny Forgioni, and he was asking me questions. We were on a regular, normal people phone call, and I said, hang on, Vinny, this is a podcast. So welcome, Vinny. You're now a guest. <laughs> I got- <laughs> Thanks. It's quite, quite a surprise, but- well my friend i just think that what you were asking me is pertinent and people want to know these things that's why i started the podcast well yeah and i mean what's funny i've said this to you before is that i'm not in show business and obviously we're you know in the same stage of life i'm not someone starting out in my career but i've listened to the podcast And each episode, I find something relevant or interesting or something that I can use. So it's been, you know, great to listen to. That's really nice. uh, Yeah. And so I was, I was listening today and, and we had been talking and you had talked about being, you know, doing five jobs at once and right now in the last month or so. And my question was, how does someone both personally and actually financially as, you know, in the type of lifestyle that you live, keep track of it? How do you, you know, organize yourself when you're getting five different paychecks from five different people on five different schedules in five different places? It's a great question. And And yeah, so this, the reason I do my work life this way harkens back to our childhood in Islip, New York. My mom is the oldest of eight children and her family moved a lot when their family kept growing and jobs would change. So my mom moved a lot. And when she married my dad, they still live in the same house. I could tell that my mother loved being in one place. They, my parents both loved their house and they really are so nestled into it. But even as a little girl, I remember thinking, oh, God, it's Wednesday. Like, I was, I really had this, like, in my soul, wanting to move around, wanting to do different things. And the weekly routine, I recall, I was a little girl sitting at the, you know, the kitchen table or something thinking, it's Wednesday again, like, oh. So the reason I do all of these jobs is because I have this wanderlust inside of me and I don't tour anymore. And so I have this wonderful job in New York City teaching at a college, a performing arts college. I could work there every day of the week. And in fact, I have when my daughter was in elementary school, I worked there almost five days a week. But the routine of taking the train in and the routine of the commute day after day after day started to really make me feel suffocated. So Mm -hmm. I still have that job, but, and I'm very lucky because the head of the dance department is an old and dear friend of mine, and we have worked together for many years. I have the freedom to take as many hours as I like, or as little hours as I like. So at the moment, I am there one day a week. And then I started meeting people in the industry. A couple of years ago, I went to this dance teacher conference with a man named Ree Gold. He Mm -hmm. had, he has this center up in Massachusetts and he has these conferences. So I went 
And out of going to that conference, I met two different studio owners and I have ended up working for both of them at different periods. And I'm now currently with one of them one day a week. Yes, I'm doing a lot of driving right now, but there's something about the open road and except when there's construction, there's something about the road that makes me feel really happy. Like I'm on an adventure Uh and I just feel, I, I feel like in our current economy, I feel like diversifying your employment is a smart idea. I feel like having all your eggs in different baskets is smart. And then what happens is different jobs go on vacation at different times. So I'm always managing the income or lack of income. So what I do for finances, I just keep track of how much I make at each job when the money comes in. And then I also do work as a guest choreographer. So there's mm-hmm. actually there's actually a place that owes me money right now. I'm not going to call them out but I've been kind of chasing them down for my pay. And if you know me at all, you know that (laughs) Vinny's laughing because he knows like I get paid. Like it's never been a problem except there was this one gig and I'm not even going to talk about it, but I had to actually go to the New York state department of labor to get my money, but I got my money. Oh really? Oh yeah. I got my money. You just have to keep really good records. And then, Vinny, there's things like gas, oil changes, car repairs. Sometimes I need to get a hotel. Right now, a really good friend of mine is letting me stay with her one night a week because I have different jobs. She just got an empty nest. So she has Mm -hmm. an extra room and she's like, stay with me. And I was like, wow, that is very generous. Are you sure? And so luckily I'm staying with a really good friend and that helps, you know, I get to visit and it's just, it helps out. My goal, Vinny, is to get a second home up in New England. That's, and you know that right. you, everybody yes. knows I want to. Yeah. So, <laughs> so right now I'm saving, I'm saving, 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 but honestly, Vinny, all of this keeps me out of trouble. I tend to, my mind tends to race. I tend to do so much and traveling to these gigs just keeps me having all this different work to do, keeps me really focused and grounded. It sounds crazy, but it's working for me right now. Can I sustain this for years and years? No, but for right now, especially because I spent many months in my house during the pandemic, this is helping me kind of like bust out. But right. the well, thing is, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and from 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 what you're saying, I, I think too that even if you're, it's a lot to do five now. The the lifestyle that you've talked about in your podcast is, and in the the one I just listened to is, it's a roller coaster. It's up and downs. It's it's this and that. Sometimes you get a job and sometimes you don't, and then someone calls you and says, "Fly across the country for this." So I imagine you you know someone coming into the industry would need to think about how they're going to things as simply as filing paperwork. 
You know what I mean? Like keeping track of what you're doing in an organized way. So, you know, yeah. it sounds like that's what you're, you've gotten a lot of practice doing that over the years. So you're sort of in that, in that mode. I have a great accountant. My accountant does some work for me. A couple of years ago, he said to me, Michelle, we do a lot of work for you that you could do yourself and it would save you money. And I said to him, you know what? This is your area of expertise I would rather pay you to do it correctly than for me to try to save a few dollars and make a math mistake or something. So he does some of my things that I could do myself on QuickBooks, but I'm like, you know what? I can outsource this because I don't like doing tiny little numbers in columns. That's not my bag. Could I do it? Sure. But I feel like it's just not my area of expertise. Well, it, and, yeah, and it, it's it's the idea of knowing where you should you should pay for something. You know what I mean? Like, it, and you you learn that along the way. But clearly, sometimes even when you're trying to save money, there's a place where it's better for me to spend some money here. Right. Yeah. It would cost me money in the long run if I made a a numbers mistake or something, and right. also. Literally, except for my vintage clothing habit, every dime I really spend is on my career. You know, I have basic living costs and then everything else goes back into my quote unquote business. So Mm -hmm. taxes are, they're a little complicated just because I have different employers in different states, but it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Like if you looked at my tax returns for the last 10 years that I live in a certain lifestyle. Like it's not grandiose. It's, it's pretty much like I buy equipment that I need and you know, I need one thing I do choose to have is a car and my friend, my friend, Kathy ranking lives in Atlanta without a car. And I Mm -hmm. also believe she lived in LA without a car. For me, a car is just a way for me to be self-sufficient. Even when I was performing, I would have a car and drive to regional theaters and the theater wouldn't have to worry about me because I had my own car. Yeah, that I that I agree with. I, I went for years before I moved out to New Jersey without without a car and having it having it now, although you know I don't really have one now because I lost it in the flooding. It, it makes a, a, a huge difference, even if you just want to get away and drive, like you said, and just, you know, clear your head or something. So You're the not... flooding that just referenced this flooding a couple, what was it, a month ago, Vinny? Yeah, I think it was like September 3rd or so. There was a huge rainstorm in the tri-state area and New Jersey got hit really bad with massive amount of rainfall and Vinny lives by a river and it flooded and his car was totally damaged and actually totaled. So he had to recently purchase a new car because his car got like drowned basically in the flood. Yes, that, that's what's going on now. And I'm in the process of, of, of getting the car back or getting another car. So, but, but I agree with the fact that, that having a car and also having, because I, in my younger days, I drove around cars that were falling to pieces. To the part like, you know, every time you got in the car, you didn't know if you were going to break down going over the George Washington Bridge or something. So it's worth it to have a car and a car that runs well. 
Well, yeah, especially now yeah. you have children and well, yeah. your children. My, I have children too, but mine are older than yours and you need, safety is the most important thing. Safety right. is really, I, I had, um, in my performing days, I had this little tiny, tiny car. And then once I had my daughter, I switched over to a Subaru and I've been with Subaru ever since because I find that they drive really well in bad weather. I feel safe in my car. I'm just really loyal to the brand. I just love driving a Subaru. So I currently have a Forester. I've been camping all summer and loading up my car with all kinds of equipment and it's been great. Yeah. So maybe Subaru would want to be a sponsor of the Showgirl Tip of the Day <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Never know. Not a, not a bad idea. Right. Okay. So any other questions from you, Vinny, about the podcast? We talk a lot. Yeah. Just let the public know a little bit about you. Vinny worked for Condé Nast for many years. Let's tell, yes. tell the viewers um, tell the listeners about when you would give me all those magazines because I love Vogue and what other magazines did your company publish? Condé Nast published and publishes it's certainly a different industry than now than it was then but when I worked at Condé Nast it was there was never too much money to spend like they would spend on there actually there was a person who went to our cafeteria his job was to taste the food in the cafeteria each day to let the head of Condé Nast know what was good down there that was his job <laughs> <laughs> he was an older retired gentleman but we we would see this guy down there all the time and we didn't know who he was at the famous Condé Nast cafeteria well, um, let's talk about that cafeteria yeah. because in the 90s, during the era of supermodels, and um, that was when I had that long, dark hair, and I used to flat iron it, remember? And you yeah. invited me to go to the cafeteria, and I dressed like I was going to the Met Gala. <laughs> It was. Because <laughs> so Condé Nast is on the building was on 42nd right by Bryant Park. I had to ha have a special guest pass to come in the building and then tell the listeners about the cafeteria and why it was so special. Well, it, the building opened in, in 1999 and in 1999 too, or, or the 90s, the corporate the corporate dress code was changing, but hadn't changed. So most people like say in the 90s if if you were a guy you were still wearing like business casual wasn't really a thing you had casual fridays which still sort of happened now but it was it, there was much more of a still sort of a formal dress codes in most places that you were and Condé Nast because it was a publishing company had all these fashion magazines we had glamour vogue allure Mademoiselle, Bon Appetit and Gourmet, New Yorker Wired, Architectural Digest. There was, you know, there's a whole bunch of, of content. It's my GQ. So they finally built this building, which is, if you recognize it, it's one Times Square, the NASDAQ building. They're not there anymore, but that's where we were. They opened up this new building and sort of the, I don't know, the crown jewel of it was this cafeteria that they had the architect, Frank Geary, 
or Gary, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, design. And so it became like the place to be. They would bring celebrities into, you know, for lunch and stuff and, and everything like that. So I would bring friends like Michelle to visit and everyone would be shocked by well, that this existed in like a corporate setting. I had someone, a friend of mine from college who worked for, I think, Price Waterhouse at the time, which was high, high corporate. Every woman dressed in like a skirt and shirt and the hair couldn't be down. Like that's what he was telling me. It's like the hair couldn't be down. They couldn't do any, you know, and everyone that had the full suit on and everything. And he comes into my cafeteria and people are just dressed literally however they want it high fashion, you know, what, what, anything you can imagine. That was how people dressed. They just dressed however they want. And it was- Well, it I, was... Love, I loved being with you there because I love fashion. It's one of my, more than a hobby. It's like, I feel like the, the history of clothing is part of show business. It's part of the history of life and how people dress reflect the era that we're in. And being in that cafeteria, it was like being part of the pulse part of the heart of new york yeah. city it was like you know i was like i'm here and you know Magazine. you know getting food i would be like strutting like a supermodel like it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. but, but it was Ma fun it was well fun. The, the magazine industry back then was that it was really the pulse of pop culture you know of cult you know i guess pop culture i i don't know if it's totally pop culture but you know fashion food all those kind of things and it was in in the center of that I lost my train of thought there of what, you know, of, of the cafeteria and, and what it was like. But, but I think, it, you know, the, the whole thing, oh, I know what I was going to, you would come over and I would bring you like a stack of magazines. And we yeah. used to, going back to to the to the kind of money that was tossed around back then, you know, it's expensive to print a magazine. And we were in, I was in the manu manufacturing department and we were like, I didn't work on a magazine in the sense that for years I did the New Yorker, but I didn't, I wasn't employed by the New Yorker or considered on the team. I worked for the central production group that serviced all the magazines. So I was assigned a magazine. So New Yorker, Wired. Um, and they could, you know, move me around. Like, now you're not doing Wired anymore. You're going to do this magazine and stuff like that. So we didn't really work on the magazine. And as like a cost center of the company, we didn't have a lot of perks that, you know, the editorial people or the ad sales people had. But one of the perks we did have was that we got a copy each of every single magazine in the company. So each month we got a pile of magazines dropped on our desk overnight as they came out. And it was, it was, you know, thinking in terms of, you know, sustainability and waste and things like that, you know, back then, you know, people thought about it, but you weren't, it wasn't as, you know, in the public consciousness at the time. And people just had, we had piles and piles of magazines everywhere that people had at their desks because we all got a copy of it. Um, but you and and you and others, I used to just, you know, give people magazine, anybody who wanted a magazine because they were popular uh, back then of the internet 
was there, but it wasn't, you know, hadn't taken over in terms of, you know, obviously social media wasn't, wasn't there yet. So magazines were still making a lot of money and people loved them. And you did, like I used to, you'd come for, to, to have lunch over there and you walk out with like a stack of magazines. And you remember you were like, you were putting your order in like a month ahead of time to make sure I was getting you September Vogue. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you were like you're to gonna me, get me september vogue i'm like yeah yeah i'll have it for you september vogue <laughs> is like the the best of the best of the best it's like a huge phone book copy of a magazine but back then we were both living in queens and you know my budget i loved having these magazines that i didn't have to pay for because back then they were about five or six dollars each probably yeah and you could subscribe and i still subscribe to vogue by the way but it's the only one yeah i do i do because my anybody who has a kid that i know they do these like fundraisers and part of the fundraisers you can subscribe so that's what i do i whoever hits me up for a subscription for a fundraiser i'll just keep renewing so my Vogue subscription is like good for the next couple of years. I'm I'm all set. But I still love it. I still love, you know, after taking a bath or something, just sitting in my bathrobe with the magazine and living my best showgirl life. I love British Very Vogue nice. too. But yeah, but each copy, if you buy it here, it's like 20 bucks. So I yeah. tried, I tried to do the digital version, but honestly, it's not the same. Like you can scroll through the digital but I just didn't like that format. And I, I also was, yeah, I'm worried about downloading it on my iPad. I'm like all the space, you know, 300 pages, blah, blah, blah. But things have changed for both of us since that time. But that time was pretty fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, going back to something else you said, because, and th- this has come from your podcast and listening to it especially the post pandemic where you said you need, you know, various forms of income and and you can't put your eggs all in one basket. The magazine industry is living proof of that, you know, because what happened in the magazine industry is simply that the, the way magazines made money was simply you had print magazine that had say, I mean, at its height, Glamour had three to 4 million. We were planting three or 4 million copies a month. But basically, you would make the subscriptions cheap, right? So you could get a subscription to even Vogue or something for like $12 a month or $11 a month. And what that did was you got a a year. Yes, you're right. A year, like $12 a year. And you would get all, you know, because it was cheap, you'd get all these subscribers, millions of subscribers. And that became your rate base, meaning... I have this many eyeballs that I'm guaranteeing to you, the advertiser. And then as an advertiser, you then you can charge the advertiser X amount of money. Well, each page is, you know, would then cost an advertiser literally tens of thousands of dollars to, to just one page in one magazine. But all that money and all those riches were simply coming from advertisers. It wasn't coming from yep. subscriptions. So yeah. basically what that was, was one that this is the business model and it worked for a long time, but enter the iPad 
and that business model went away. Yeah. But gone. Yeah. It, oh, like literally overnight. And it, it created two things. It was one, you didn't have as much advertising. The advertising dollars dried up in the recession. And subscribers were not going to all of a sudden pay $100 a year for a subscription that they've been paying $12 a year for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that like, you know, the magazines are still around and, you know, but, th- but that kind of churn happened. And what I did, the department that I was in doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Like so it affected big. your employment. It affected the employment of hundreds and thousands of people, but also our lives changed. Our li- I, everybody's lives changed. I mean, I still have that Vogue subscription, but I don't read 10 magazines a month like I used to. I read right. one. And honestly, I don't even read it every month. Sometimes, sometimes I get behind just because I'm busy. Yeah. And then I end up with a stack and if I'm lucky, I'll have time to go through them. But yeah, there, yeah. you know, and I, I think there again, there they could be, you know, some resurgence or whatever, because I mean, I've started reading print again a little bit more than I did because I realized that the iPad was like bothering my eyes and mm-hmm. it was much easier to read print. Mm-hmm. And that's for, for, for books. But it, it's really the, I think, and, and this is what you said, the whole corporate rigid structure is breaking down because people can make choices now you know what i mean like the whole there there's so many different things you can do even if it, as an actor or an actress people do youtube channels you there's all kinds of things that you can do on your own you can publish on your own right you could yeah. really make your own magazine if you wanted yeah. to and make money you could do a magazine locally in booth bay harbor yeah right? and probably make a you know a decent amount of money you wouldn't get rich off of it but you would service that little area you don't have to get out to california and so i think to that effect and that's what you know slowly i'm trying to to do that as i'm teaching i i do teach some college classes as you know i've always wanted to write and publish writing so that's all in my thoughts but what i realize is you know that i i sort of put my eggs all in one basket in terms of sticking into that even when i changed jobs i was in that corporate nine to five get on a train go to work yeah but work that's nine to five kind of of how we were raised to think that that's what we wanted to achieve is have we we were told it was stability employment i mean i'm lucky that i get to do what i do but even as we were kids i knew that i was not ever going to get a job and keep that job forever right do you know what i mean i knew right. I, mean, I knew my work would be project based and and just hopefully you know hopefully have a career as a performer luckily i have been able to perform and teach and choreograph and direct i had to add more things to the roster when we were growing up as i recall the jobs that people wanted were like city jobs especially we grew up right. on Long Island, there's the Long Island Railroad. And then a bunch of us moved to the city. So why wouldn't you get all your eggs in one basket is what I'm saying, you know, exactly. And, uh, you know, and there's nothing even if that's what somebody wants now, there's nothing wrong 
you know, and I, I've learned this, especially over the past couple of years, there, there's no real right or wrong. So it's not wrong if you want to be a nine to five, you get on a train, go to work, and that's what you, you like to do. But sometimes the world changes despite what you want to do. So I think it's it behooves people to, to understand that, that like, you know, the world is changing and that nine to five, you have to be at work at this time and you can't like have flexible hours and it's it's more of a fluid environment things change quickly so it's hard to say that anything is going to last for a long time because things change so quickly i think for us because of the internet and because of technology we graduated from college in one world which was the corporate go to work for the most people and if you you didn't want to do that that was a little bit off the common the common path or the common direction but now I think most people have to at least think about what do I do if because industries and things change very quickly now. And that's all I'm saying. So I'm not saying it's there's a right or wrong way of, of going about things, but there isn't the kind of stability out there that they used to be. No. And you know what? We just have to realize that. And we all learned that last March 2020, we learned things can change very quickly. I am a fan of a lady named Kate. Kate Kate and has a YouTube channel and it's all about financial health. And she's a person, she's a little younger than you and me, Vinny, but she's does a lot of things about being frugal. And she just bought her own house that she saved up for. And she's a single mom. And she's really mm-hmm. cool. And she and I actually have become friends. We talk back and forth on Instagram. And she's going to come on the show. So Kate, Kate Caden is someone that I know from YouTube and Instagram, and she has her own channel, the Kate Uh Caden Show, and uh, she calls her group of people that follow her the K-Squad. They talk about financial health. So ever since following her, which has been since the pandemic, I am no longer in credit card debt. I paid off my credit cards, and now... I regularly save money because I cut out. It's all about just being aware of your finances and making Mm -hmm. sure you're not spending money on things that a lot of us have subscriptions to things that we don't even use. So you just go through your credit card statements and you just make sure that you're still using everything you're paying for. And then certain things like, you know, some people have a Starbucks habit. They go to Starbucks every day. That's five bucks. If you just cut that out, that's $25 a week that you can put in your savings account. Right. So just things like that. And I have a couple of financial goals. One of them is to pay off my car as soon as I can, because I do have a car Mm -hmm. loan. So I want to pay that off. And then I want to buy a place in Maine. That's another goal. My third goal, I would love to spend some time hiking the Camino either next year or the year after. So that's a trip I need to save up some money for. Right. What are some financial goals that you have? Well, I guess my, you know, that this is more like, you know, personal thing, but I'm in the middle of going through a, a divorce, which will probably wrap up by the end of the year or early next year and things like that. So things need to settle out for me first. But my goals are complete something that I've always wanted to do for my entire life, which is finish the book that I'm writing. That's certainly a, a number one priority. Number two, I think is starting. I've always wanted to start a website. And I think that for me, 
I want to encourage what you're sort of talking about. And you have all these connections of people doing the, you know, what I've listened to on a podcast, different businesses, photography, and, and, and kind of things like that. But thinking about and showing my own work or things that I like to do or things I have opinions on and things like that, but also encouraging what I would call artisanship. Because I think for what we were talking about just now, that's where we're we're heading there there's a lot more room for people to be artisans again right because you have the ability to to do these things whether you're doing graphic design doing crafts i mean you you've been making your own clothing right you've been yeah. sewing and, and doing and doing that kind of stuff so one of the things i want to do is is start to like build a web presence that just of all these ideas that I've had over the years and, and hopefully get that thing going. I've always, this is probably more of a retirement thing, but like you say, you want to hike the Camino. I've always wanted to drive across the country. So that's on my, my list is nice. to cross country drive. I always, every now and then I, I look at the map of, of the United States and see like I could go the North way and then come down and then come back across the South. What's, you know, what cities would I just like from this city to this city to this city? So that's certainly a goal of mine to do someday is to, to drive across the country. So I would say those are, those are sort of top of the line for me. Well, good. You know what? I kind of want you back on this podcast again. Will you come back? Of course. Maybe we could plan <laughs> it the next time. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer got the Merv Griffin set? He kept putting, it was like the last season was a really weird episode, but he kept pulling them in and they had to sit down like it was a talk show in his apartment. Oh. <laughs> and okay. he would like I interview them. I was on the road when Friends and Seinfeld were a big thing in our culture. I was doing my yeah. tours. So I never saw live episodes. I've caught a few of them later on. But like when people reference Friends, I don't get the references. Right. And when they also reference Seinfeld, I don't get the references either. So, but I am pretty proud of us that we were so spontaneous and we were like, let's just start recording. So that was pretty fun. This man has been in my life since we were about 12 years old. We went to the prom together. We did the musicals mm -hmm. together in high school. The, when we went to the beach this summer, when I saw you walking towards me, I just was, my heart was so happy because how blessed are we to have this friendship that has lasted all these decades through so many life changes and we hadn't talked in a while and then the first time we picked up the phone we were just like hey what's going on yeah when you have like a connection with someone you just we were about 12 years old and I do remember when, when we just came, went to the beach the other day you would just told me like where you were sitting and I came like hobbling onto the beach with all this your stuff you, you like recognize it's it's just that recognition of someone you were just like there with your hat and it was like very michelle you had like you're, <laughs> you're on the towel you have a striped towel and a gray hat about like three hours or so right yeah it was good and it was a beautiful day and i love going to the beach at the end of the day so it's kind of emptied out and it's yeah. you know the sun's gonna set soon that's and we had dinner we got some dinners we got some italian food that was pretty good so, that was yeah. good Italian food. That was good. It was. 
It's, it was right by my brother's house. So I picked some up. Here. I want to thank you, Vinny, for coming on the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. Listeners, I hope you learn to love Vinny as much as I do. We'll keep in touch. We're going to take Vinny's daughter to Maison Marcel in Haddonfield, New Jersey. She was sponsor of season one. His daughter loves Paris. So this is a Parisian-themed boutique. And the owner is in Paris right now as we record this episode. And she's shopping for the boutique. Isn't that a cool job? She said, and she was in the corporate world too. I want to interview Andrea. She was in the corporate world and she decided to create this small business. And she basically is a stylist because she has private appointments. I go down there once or twice a year and she pulls all kinds of things for me. And honestly, I wear everything I buy from her shop. I wear the stuff that I get. So it's you're shopping sustainably and it's beautiful stuff that's been curated. It's not like going to a thrift store or a secondhand store. It's, it's higher end. So we're going to have a good time this holiday taking your daughter to this shop. Yes, we're going to have fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. Look yeah. forward to that. I love but you, Denny. Yes. Love you too. And thank you for asking me. I mean, it is, it, it was fun to, to just hop on the phone and do a podcast without expecting <laughs> it. So, so thank you for that. You are welcome. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Show, show.